We're in Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 9. The book of Deuteronomy covers the last month and a half of Moses' life. And Moses is recapping God's commands to Israel. And this morning we come to the sacred Shema. I learned how to pronounce that watching TV. They say Shema, not Shema. I would say Shema, but it's Shema. So, the great singular command of God to Israel and really to all of mankind. As a nation, Israel is to make provisions in their life, in their daily life, to obey God. Set up some standards. Do something that will cause you to be obedient to God. And God's word and his commandments are to be in the very heart of his people. And then we as his people are to instruct our children and our grandchildren even. And we're to, the Jews were to bind up their hands with a leather strap. I don't know if you've ever seen an Orthodox Jew, they will have this leather strap going around there. And that's just a reminder to obey God. And they will uh, wear a tiny little box right between their eyes on their forehead which contains tiny little scrolls of God's commandments in this tiny little box right there on their forehead. And on the entryway to their homes, on their doorposts, they have the mezuzah, which is uh, the commands of the Lord. Right before they enter their home, they read the commands of the Lord. So let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. Now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your sons and your grandsons, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. And here's the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Israel, as a people... They're becoming a nation, and they're about to go in and possess the land that God has promised to them, the land of Canaan. God has not a request, but he has a commandment for them, and that commandment is obedience. 
obedience to God through his laws, through his statutes. Moses even takes time to recount the Ten Commandments again, and he does so in detail. And then he says, your parents, you're to teach your children and your grandchildren all the laws of God. America had a similar beginning as Israel. When America started to become a people, an independent group of people, but began to govern ourselves, our beginning was based upon Christian principles. Our forefathers gathered their moral obligation, their rights, their wrongs, if you will, they gathered them from the Bible. Our Constitution and Bill of Rights are based upon God's standards. And today, we see a consecrated effort by the liberal politician and judges to reinterpret our Constitution as a people. Reinterpret our rights as Christians. And many of us find ourselves as Christian citizens. We find ourselves in conflict with what we're seeing coming down from our courts and from our lawmakers. Just recently, we have added an amendment to the bylaws of our church articles of incorporation, which forbid us as a fellowship from following sinful laws and statutes of our nation. As a church, as a body of believers, we have chosen to follow biblical principles, not modern interpretation of laws. And may God be with us as we endeavor to do this. This church, the facilities here, myself and other pastors, will not be allowed to be part of non-biblical practices such as, go name names here, same-sex marriages. We will not be part of that. The church board and myself have found it necessary to add a statement of our beliefs to our bylaws regarding marriage. That's just where we stand. Now back to the reading of the Shema, the great Jewish declaration of truth. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, speaking Jehovah there, our God, Elohim, the Lord is one. The Hebrew word, Elad, is used for one, but it's a compound unity of one. And that's the word that is used here. There is another Hebrew word, Yahid, and it means absolute one in singular, and it is not used in this verse. In Genesis 1.1, the beginning of Scripture, it says, In the beginning, God, and the word for God there is Elohim. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Why is that significant? El, of course, meaning God. El is singular. Ella is dual or two. Elohim is two 
or more. So we have the Trinity of God in the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis spells that out for us. God is telling us who he is. He's one compound unity from the beginning. Three separate personalities, three individuals, but in complete harmony. The harmony of God in his three persons is so complete that we stumble at trying to understand it. However, our lack of understanding concerning the unity of God does not alleviate us from the obligation of obeying God. Consider, just think for a moment, God would not be God if I could bring him down to my complete understanding. If I totally and completely understood God, then I would be as God, and we don't. There are mysteries in every heart and mind concerning some of the things of God. But Scripture gives us all we need to know about God. Verse 5 you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. God, Elohim, commanding our love to be threefold, heart, soul, and might. The heart, the inner part of man, the intellect, the emotional portion of all persons. The soul, the ongoing, the eternal, the steadfast, the committed part of our being. And then we have might, a complete dedication to loving God with all of our strength. Mankind is a lesser trinity. But as being a man, we're commanded to love God with our entire being. Jesus, being part of Elohim, has something to say regarding the Shema. So if you would, turn to Mark chapter 12. In Mark 12, we have Jesus, and he's in the temple. He's teaching the ruling religious leaders of Jerusalem. In particular, he's teaching the Sadducees, those in power, that were very liberal. And the Sadducees did not believe in resurrection. And they asked Jesus a question regarding resurrection. So let's pick it up in Mark 12, verse 18. We'll look at verses 18 through 27. Then some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him, and they asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother shall take his wife and raise up offsprings for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying, he left no offspring. And the second took her, and he died, nor did he leave any offspring, and the third likewise. So the seven had her and left no offspring, Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, which they didn't believe in, when they rise, whose wife will she be? 
for all seven have had her as wife. I love Jesus' answer here. (laughs) And Jesus said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken, because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God? (laughs) Touche. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry or given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead, that they rise, have you not read the book of Moses in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He he is not the God of the dead, but is the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. It's not wise to argue with God. You always lose. But anyway, the Sadducees only accept the first five books of the Bible, known as the Pentateuch. And they think they have a question that will now stump Jesus. And the Sadducees quote Moses. And they say how these brothers are to take a brother's widow and raise up children for their deceased brother. They're trying to point out, if they can, the foolishness of believing in resurrection. But Jesus shuts down their whole logic, all of their thinking. He shuts it down. And he says, you do not know the scriptures, nor the power of God. Now, every devout Sadducee had memorized the first five books of the Bible. And here we have Jesus saying, you don't know the first five books of the Bible. You do not know scripture. And Jesus is referring to those first five books. Nor do you understand the power of God. Now Jesus will quote from the Pentateuch. The Sadducees, now remember, they claim to know this so well. In the book of Moses and the burning bush passage, God declares, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus continues, God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And the conclusion is, there must be resurrection. So he says to the Sadducees, you are greatly mistaken. You're completely in the dark regarding resurrection. Now, this delights the Pharisees because the Sadducees and the Pharisees have this constant rivalry going on. And a Pharisee is well pleased by Jesus' answer. And he's a scribe, one who studies the law. And he answers Jesus and he says, well said, teacher. But let's read it in verses 28 through 34. We'll read about this scribe. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well and asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first commandment. 
of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. And it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one neighbor as oneself is, far, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to question Jesus. Jesus is asked straight up, what is the first or what is the most important commandment in Scripture? And we have Jesus, and he will encapsulate the entire Bible in two verses. First, love God, love Elohim with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, number one. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. You want to know what the Bible is about? There it is. There are no greater commandments than these. The Pharisees, uh, the, the scribe of the Pharisees tells Jesus, you have spoken the truth. Then the scribe gives us insight as to how to love God and our neighbor. Love God with a complete heart, with all your emotions, with complete understanding, even studying to know God by his revealed word to us. Love God by pursuing God with all of our strength. As believers, as Christians, we have the responsibility to be seeking our God. Hebrews 11.6 We read that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That's good to know. The scribe understands that loving God and our neighbor is greater than the whole sacrificial system that is in place at this time and the sacrificial system was paramount in the Jews' eyes. And yet here we have a scribe, and he understands that the command to love God is greater than all sacrifice. Jesus sees that the scribe answers wisely, and he says to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. You can look back on the conversations that Jesus has with the religious leaders and there are extremely few compliments that Jesus has to say with the religious leaders of his time. This is one of the few. One of those times that Jesus has something good to say about a religious leader. But Jesus' answer silenced all 
that would dare question him. Jesus, being fully God, answers the question about anyone who would diligently seek God. And he says, go after God with all your heart, with all your being. We would say, give it your best shot. For God rewards those who seek after him. God has also made provision for us, his people, to know him and to find him. That happens to be the greatest endeavor of any believer's life. Finding God, seeking God and finding him. He tells us, if you will seek me, you will find me, but you can't give it a halfway effort. You got to go after it with all your heart. Now, there is a reward in finding God that only He can give a person, for it gives us happiness, it gives us contentment, it gives us peace. But if you find God after seeking him with your whole heart, loving your neighbor falls into place. You don't even have to worry about it. If you go after God with a complete heart, you will find him and then you will find that you love his creation, which is your neighbor. It just falls in. There's no effort to it then. If I love God with my complete being, then I will love you because you were created in his image. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. Thank you for presenting yourself in such a way that we can know you and we can find you. Lord, let that be the quest of each and every person here, just to seek you with our entire being, come after you with a whole heart, holding nothing back. And you tell us that if we will do that, you will reward us by getting to know you. What greater thing can your creation have than to know you as our creator. We were created, Lord, for your own good pleasure. And we will not find that satisfaction and contentment until we find you in completeness. So help us, Lord, to love you with our heart, with our soul, and with all of our might. Put that desire in our hearts. And then, Lord, we know that you will be faithful to reveal yourself to us. So do that good work. We will give you glory and thanks for it. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord.